Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we officially have one week of NFL football in the reps, in the books, uh, and I'm glad to be with my co-host, T-Up. T-Up, are you there? Yo, JT Dub, I am happy to be back on. It's been a while, but I'm so excited to be talking about week one football finally. It's just a good feeling, man. I just, uh, I mean, we've been talking about this all, I don't know, I feel like the last month, month and a half of it's just every week. I was just like, you know, you have another week, X amount of weeks before football, another, you know, preseason, then this, and then Trey Lance, that, and then whatever. We're here. We're here, man. So. Yeah, we finally made it. It was a, uh, it was a good play to games. And I must say, NFL Sunday ticket is fucking clutch. So that's the multi-view was, was amazing. So I was able to watch as much football as possible. Granted, I was busy during the afternoon games, but um, yeah, definitely got to watch the minor game clutch for sure. You know what? Uh, so you have YouTube TV. So this is the first time you did a Sunday ticket, right? Yeah, I never had it before. So I, I literally had no expectations. Um, but then, you know, once I started seeing all the channels pop up on my YouTube TV, I started flipping around and then I saw this feature that called, that was called multi-view. I'm like, Ooh, what is this? Yeah. And then when you click it, it's like, Whoa, like you can have any combination of any game just set up as four screens on your television. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And the cool thing about it too, is like with your TV, like you can choose which specific screen for, for the out of those four games or whatever and then it'll choose that audio specific specifically yeah and it switches it's instant it was like oh my god um it's funny because uh my fiance she was sitting on the couch with me watching uh, football and then when i showed her the multi-view she just like gave me this rolling eyes look she's like oh my god oh my god it's gonna be like this <laughs> every it's fucking like true sunday <laughs> it's true joy <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, I'll give you a lot of credit because as much as you got the chance to relish at the 10 o'clock games, you made time for your fiance uh, for the afternoon. So it's all about balance, right? Yep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So those 10 a.m. games that that span of time that you did ha- have, um, I mean, there were there were two really interesting games. Um, and obviously, I know that you have a particular fondness for a certain team in the Bay area. Uh, let's just say it. Uh, how about those Niners? They how about them? <laughs> oh, outside of the Cowboys and because the Cowboys stomps the giants on Sunday night football, 40 to zero. Uh, the other most dominating performance goes to the Niners who were on the road against Pittsburgh. It was a game where the Steelers, uh, they were home dogs. You know, they had the Niners favored by three opening line. But then, you know, with the rain concerns and just being on the road against uh, a really tough team like Pittsburgh on, on their home opener, uh, it closed at Niners minus one, meaning that a lot of people were taking taking the Steelers. But 30 to seven, this was a dominant performance on both fronts, both defensively where they had two picks. Um, you know, you saw all, Bosa played. Hargrave had a sack. Drake Saxon had three sacks. Like, uh, you know, they did what they had to do. And then on the other end, which is really, really 
really reassuring for Niner fans. But Brock Purdy from last year, coming off his ECL ECL injury, looks like the Brock Purdy uh, of old before that Eagles game. So it looked like he didn't miss a beat. He had two touchdowns. This was his, uh, I think he broke an NFL record or whatever. He's gotten like six straight starts with two two touchdowns at least, passing. But um, yeah, man, it, it was... I was not expecting this sort of debut. What were your thoughts on this game, Tio? Yeah, for sure. You know, like at the beginning of the game, you know, the first drive, Steelers received the ball and it was an automatic three and out. And it ended with, uh, I believe it was the Drake Jackson sack. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. It's like, okay, like I expected, you know, knowing, you know, Bosa would just got signed from the previous day, literally. So, and didn't really expect 95 to pop up on the screen, but he did it kind of at the first drive of the game and kind of all throughout the game. He just saw his number pop up and that was really good to see. And, you know, the defense setting that tone, I think that's what stood out to me at the beginning. And then, you know, everything is kind of history after that. Brock Purdy came in confident as ever, you know, Chris Pass, his accuracy was on point. Um, CMC, we really didn't see him all preseason, but know there were some concerns maybe he's actually i don't know if there was any concern to him coming in but i don't know all of our starters they were just firing on all cylinders and shanny was definitely in his bag literally all game so that was super fun to watch i i i enjoyed it um yeah so i think it was just a great game we could talk about like the the steelers too and you know they're yeah how they kind of made it difficult on themselves especially at home you know that's not the way that you want to start um the season but yeah Brock Purdy just played had a fantastic game and you know Fred Warner too kind of he sets the tone at the beginning so I was really satisfied to see that very small very subtle but here's what I really noticed for the Steiners offense and uh I don't know uh maybe it goes unnoticed for some people but you know, going back to that first drive when the Niners scored their touchdown, it was fourth and one. And tee up, as I'm sure you and many Niner fans have often criticized Kyle Shanahan, but he usually punts, you know. Uh, but this also shows how confident or how maybe, you know, it's a different year. Things are changing, but it was fourth and one on their opening drive. And Shanahan decided to go for it. He rolled out Purdy. He found Kittle uh, open in the flats. Actually, on the flats. Was it slants? Might have been the flats. Anywho, he gained about seven yards. Yeah, yeah. he got the first down, and uh, that was the biggest surprise for me personally, you know. Yeah, that drive was – it could have easily lost momentum if, you know, if they punted it or – I forgot if they were in field goal range. No, I don't think so. But, you know, the momentum could have killed it, but – you know, that play, I think, exactly uh, hit on motion to the left. And then it was just a quick snap. And then I think Purdy had his read. And it was just a perfect executed play and great pass. And, you know, the it'll just finish it with the yak. So, yeah, it just yeah, goes that was great. And Purdy. That's, that was the biggest thing I, I, I took out of it. Because Shanahan never goes for it on fourth down, especially that early in the game. But, you know. Uh, maybe he's turned a new leaf on, on this offense. Yeah, you know, all these haters on on Purdy and, you know, thinking that, you know, he might not be the real deal. 
I think he still hasn't had a full season under his belt. Um, you know, technically through, you know, he hasn't played a full season and also the amount of games that he actually completed, but I think he's pretty much undefeated as a starter, right? Other than obviously the Philly game. No, that's right. And for the critics, I mean, I, I get it. There's, um, there's not too much film of him. He's had a lot of success early on. He's just kind of waiting for the, I don't, I don't know, the hype train or the, the honeymoon phase to dissipate, but I don't know. The kid is making some, yeah, like, if you look at the film, he's, he's, it's not like he's like super athletic or just outrunning defenders or just, you know, getting by on his athleticism. No, he's making some really sound throws. So good for him. I guess we'll see from the other side of the ball, Justin. If you were a defense, how would you attack Purdy? What would you do? Well, I know for one, I am definitely attacking the right side of that offensive line because Colton McKivitz, who's the new starter, taking over from Mike McGlinchey, I think he ele- I think TJ Watt had three sacks, one forced fumble, and yeah, no, um, that would be one thing. I like you know, Purdy obviously he's going to uh, have his moments and he's mobile enough, but I'm sure opponents moving forward they've seen the film and. Albeit TJ Watt is an all pro former defensive player of the year sort of talent, but if there was any sort of Achilles to this night's offense, you would attack it on the right side. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, McKivitz, he had a tough, tough time, but, you know, we have to give credit where it's due, where he was facing all pro TJ Watt. Also, another spot that I noticed that was a little bit uh, lacking. Or, I don't know what it was, but uh, Spencer Buford, he had a couple of penalties on him, especially that one penalty on the, I think it was the end of the second half or end of the first quarter, actually, right? Where they were trying to go for the, uh, for the hard count. Yep. And yep. Everyone knew that he was, everyone knew not to move, but for some reason he just decided to jump. It's all like, yo, what are you doing, my man? Like, <laughs> it's that right side. It was bro. not even the first hard count. No, no, no. To your point about that, I think the Niners accumulated about 11, 12 penalties, uh, which, I mean, they won third to seven, but if you want to nitpick, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, definitely, you know, I think the nerves in the first game is always going to be there. Hopefully, I mean, ideal plan is, you you know, you clean up those penalties as as season goes on, but, you know, I don't think there was any holding calls from the offensive line, so I'll, I'll say that. Not that no. I recall. I'm surprised about that. And then, you know, on the other side for the Niners defense, I think they allowed, shoot, they might have allowed less than two yards of carry. Like Najee Harris, he had one run for 24 yards. But outside of that, um, once again, this run defense looked good. Uh, the secondary, there's a little bit of shuffling throughout the game. But I don't know. It seems like this Niners defense, you can make a case that with the uh, addition of Javon Hargrave, they they got better. And I was, you know, I, I was really concerned to see how Steve Wilkes would do. And maybe he still can get a good challenge, especially since it was a blowout. But it seemed like after losing D'Amico Ryans and going with the new defensive coordinator and Steve Wilkes that the defense didn't lose a beat. Yeah, that's, um, I heard this analogy. I forgot words, who said it, but they said, you know, it's like the new defense and the new defensive coordinator. 
you could take a novice driver and put him into a, and have him drive a Ferrari and the Ferrari is still going to be fast. That's basically what has happened with the Niners is, you know, new defensive coordinator, but the defense is still good. Yep. You know, they're still going to be firing. So, yeah, that's right. Did you see that one, uh, that one image of, I think it was Cam Hayward when unfortunately he got hurt and he was walking to the sideline and it showed like total yards per team. And I think it was like 49ers, 199 and Pittsburgh Steelers, like minus two. And this was like middle of the second quarter or something. I was like, Oh my God, this is such a bad. Who, whose idea was to put this image as Ken Hayward, who's hurt is walking off the field. It's like, Oh God, got plastered all over social media. This was like the perfect start for the Niners, especially since, you know, amidst the Trey Lance trade, the Bosa holdout, just losing preseason. You know, they, they didn't look too well in preseason, especially their run defense, but it all came together, and the cherry on top tee up is Ricky kicker Jake Moody was three for three on field goals with three extra points, and he actually, as a rookie for his debut, he tied single-handedly the best rookie performance outside of, and I don't want to say it, but just take it for what it is, Justin Tucker. Like no other rookie quarterback, I'm sorry, kicker has had such a smashing debut outside of Moody and now Justin Tucker. So it was, it was pretty Hey, sweet. Justin, I think you're the one that taught me this. Well, I know you're the one that taught me this. What was Jake Moody's nickname in Michigan? It was Money Moody. Money Moody. Money Moody, baby. Let's go. I, I'm doing the dollar signs if my fingertips are not a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all the concerns that you had in preseason, and it, it's still there. It's still there. Don't get me wrong. But that was honestly, for me, the cherry on top. And more extra credit, I guess. I know that we're just guzzling our listeners with Niner stuff. But <laughs> shout out to Brandon Nayuk. Uh, this kid has worked really hard the last couple of years, and it was reported that he was having a really strong, strong training camp in offseason. He he went eight for eight. He had eight targets, which converted to eight catches for I don't know 132 yards and two touchdowns. Career high for receiving yards and just. I don't know, man. He looks like a number one. Uh, that was my question. Do you think? Do you see him emerging as a number one wide receiver for for the Niners right now? Well, it's interesting too because if you if you look at it, and this is just the dynamic of this Niners offense. I mean, there's there's a lot of playmakers to get defenses to play honest on all these uh, receivers because uh, I think the first touchdown to Ayuk. You had three guys, three defenders looking at Debo uh, down the middle on, on the crosser. And then you had Ayuk doing a 10-yard a in uh, on one-on-one coverage to Patrick Peterson, right? And then, you know, you go back to Kittle on, on that fourth down conversion or you go to, I don't know, uh, CMC. Just There's a lot of different receivers in the backfield, Um Debo, obviously, he can be a runner. Like, there's a lot of interchangeability within this offense, and so you know, if you're a receiver like Ayuk that can beat your defender with Chris Brown running, I mean, there should be some opportunities. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of random, off off topic, but you know, we've had multiple discussions with our buddy Hung about what is the definition of a true number one wide receiver, and you know, in the past, you know, it would be Megatron. Um, you know, T.O., 
uh, Osho Cinco, you know, it goes down the list of prototype number one receiver. But, you know, in today's NFL, I don't think you could give a definitive answer unless a true number one wide receiver. What no, say? no. And I think, you know, with the emergence of, well, just look at Cooper Cup with the Rams. I mean, he's not necessarily a number one wide. He's not, he's definitely not Calvin Johnson, but he's a number one. Um, compare Cooper Cup to like a Justin Jefferson to like a Brandon. You get, yeah, there's different sort of re- receivers in, the, in this league and it's a passing league. And, you know, your definition of a number one has definitely changed from what it was even just like five, five years ago. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy. You know, like the, the evolution of, of offensive scheme in, in the NFL has completely evolved since, you know, just as recent as five years ago, just like you said, it's, it's crazy. And it's almost like, you know, the Rams, I think it kind of started with the LA Rams, you know, the, uh, the McVay type of offense and, you know, the Shanahan type of offense. It's, you know, it's evolving to more, more speedy, shifty guys who could, uh, who could stretch the field and uh, make plays um, just based on straight speed and agility rather than just muscling the uh, defenders. Yeah. Not saying that's completely gone, but you know, that, you know, that 50 50 jump ball, you do see it, but it's not as frequent as, you know, just straight burners over the top. Yeah. The burners are like Tyreek Hill and then the um, the athletic freaks would be like DK Metcalf or CD Lamb. Yeah. There's a more, you know, go back, going back to route running, there's Jerry Judy, there's Brandon Ayuk. Um, there's a lot, a lot of different archetypes of, of wide receivers right now. Yeah, for sure. Anywho, uh, I know we've been shedding so much about the Niners. Um, any other final thoughts about this? I mean, on the other side, too, the Steelers, especially with Kenny Pickett. I don't know if you checked the comments for Steeler fans, but they're like, fuck, man. Like, I this, this quarterback sucks. <laughs> like, it did Yeah, look- well, you know, there's actually – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it just uh, – it goes both the way. So, Purdy's the young quarterback, and so is Pickett. And this is a season where he had a very strong preseason – and so they were waiting for him to take the next step. And he certainly can. I mean, you know, this is a really good Niners defense. And so maybe this is something where you can just shake it off and onwards to the next. Or maybe there's something to it for Pickett. But uh, a lot of Steeler fans were not happy with this Sunday performance. Yeah. I don't know if you saw there's like this story floating around and also a few podcasts that I was listening to that Steeler fans are claiming that Cody Pickett sustained a concussion in the first drive of the game. And that may have affected his ability to make throws and decision-making. Did you see that story floating around? I did see that. It was the play. Um, it was the first sack by Drake Jackson where he kind of. The Drake Jackson one. Yeah. Kind of flipped backwards. Took his hip and kind of, you know, uh, legal hit by the way, but you know, uh, threw him down to the ground or whatever. And it was a little, it, it, it was a tough hit. It was a tough sack. Do you think that, Maybe there's a possible truth to that, or maybe just Steeler fans just kind of looking too deep into it. I don't think so, but at the same time, too, I mean, depends on how you view, like you know, the the medical staff and all that. But it looks uh, looks a bit gnarly. But at the same time, too, I don't know. Purdy took some pretty tough looks too at the later stages of the uh, of the game. Um, yeah, that fumble that it was re- recovered by the. Um, by the sliver of of his butt cheeks, that was kind of gnarly. Uh, I would, I'm not gonna lie, I 
I paused because I didn't want his elbow or anything around his arms to get um, fucked up with with the huddle. But uh, thankfully, he came right. uh, unscathed. Yeah, you know, I automatically thought about uh, like Shohei Otani. Like he just, you know, he had Tommy John surgery the year before, and then this season having Tommy John surgery on the same elbow, which put him out for the rest of the season. And it's like, you know, it's possible where you could re-injure the same elbow. And it could, you know, set you back again. So, I guess it's a very similar play to because Purdy was trying to make that throw in that throwing motion and then he gets hit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, looking forward, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Brock Purdy uh, performs in week two. Knowing that he has one full game under his belt, how does his arm feel, you know, the day after the week and the week after going into week two, you know, now that he's going to be in this rhythm of he's playing, you know, every single week, he's going to be slinging it at least what 25 times at least. Yeah. We'll see how the, the elbows are responding to these type of uh, forces and demands that's going to be put on it. That's right. Well, hopefully, um, you know, with the load management and all that with his arm, hopefully he, he's suited for it because, uh, I think this will be – I was talking to Hung about it too. So, you know, moving onwards for the Niners. Um, the Niners are going to go to L.A. against the Rams. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Brock Purdy has not played the Rams yet. He's never played them. Right? Actually, you know – yeah, no, you're right. I, I – because what week did they play the Rams last? Because they played them re- really early on in the season. Brock Purdy came later on, you know, during the Dolphins game with Jimmy G. Got right. The last right. game they had was at L.A., but that was the CMC game where he, you know, uh, you know, when he had three touchdowns. But that was Jimmy G. I don't think Purdy has played the Rams yet, right? Yeah, because Purdy's first game was with the Bucks, and that was in December. Yeah, so that's another interesting wrinkle to see what he can do this time around. I mean, you know, he he's played the Cardinals, he's he's played the Seahawks, but now he'll get his first go around against the uh, divisional LA Rams. Yeah, yeah. So let's get on to to that. So the Rams against the Seahawks. At Seattle, and I said on the pod going into this game, I said, hey, you know what? I think it could be high scoring. I think it could be an interesting divisional game. I, I thought it was going to be close. I thought that the Seahawks would win 24 to 21. Um, but little did I know that this is a Rams team that's going without Cooper Cup, right? Uh, this was a Rams team that was on the road uh, against Seattle. But you're going to tell me that the Rams would not only go to the Seahawks and, and win, but they would win convincingly 30 to 13. You're talking about a Rams team that shut out the Seahawks where I believe the Seahawks only had like what, 12, 15 yards, one first down the second half. They completely got shut out. I could not believe that. And you're telling me, I mean, I, I get it. You know, Stafford's really good, but this motherfucker was 24 for 38, 334 yards. And he had his, yeah, T2 Atwell, six catches, 119 yards, and he had a rookie by the name of Puka Nakua, 10 catches for 119 yards. I just, 
I could not believe this game. Um, Tio, did he at least? Uh, I, I know this is during the afternoon time, but did he check that out? Yeah, you know, I only watched highlights um, a little bit, and then also when I was walking around uh, where I was at. But yeah, no, I was quite surprised how this game ended. Uh, you know, the, the Seahawks. I don't know if they're going to be sucky than more than what we anticipated, but. You know, the Rams, they put up a fight, and they have, again, this goes back to the true wide receiver, or a wide receiver prototype, Tutu Atwell and this guy, Puka Nakua. You know, these are small, shifty guys who could just make plays and make catches, and that's kind of right down the uh, the wheelhouse of McVay and the offense, and we know how much Stafford loves his shifty receivers and likes Cup, and, you know, the, the Rams, they made it work, and McVay, McVay you really know that he's going to, draw up plays that's going to be you know that's going to put Stafford in the best position so you know they found that rookie we'll see if he could uh, you know repeat this performance but too too well I'm not really too surprised with his performance I knew that you know there's going to have to be someone that has going to it's going to be step up it's not going to be Tyler Higby or it's not going to be um, Van Jefferson no so yeah yeah, and I think the the biggest thing coming out of that, big shout out to Stafford because you know he missed most of last season with his injury. But you know I was really worried about him um, because this is a makeshift offensive line, but he looked great. He looked great, and this offense, like to put thirty points without Cooper Cup, I mean, oh boy, that was. Uh, I don't know if that's an indictment necessarily on how good this offense could potentially be with Sean McVay. Or just how bad the Seahawks defense was because once again, no pass rush. No pass rush and this run defense, like I, I think that the Rams um the Rams had about 35, 38 carries between Cam Akers and Ky- Kyrie Williams, and they had two rushing touchdowns by Kyrie Williams. Um so like on the other side too, like if you're a Seahawks fan, like I don't know, I'm pretty pissed off. At Seattle, you're coming off like, I don't know. Playoff aspirations, you're going to compete against the Niners in the NFC West, and you lay an egg in the second half at home. Like, what the? And to make matters worse, too, uh, what makes this even more infuriating is because their their tackles, Cross and, um, and Abraham, left tackle and right tackle, they both left the game. Um, Cross is presumably going to be out a couple of weeks with a turf toe injury. Abraham, I, I think he should be coming back next week, but you know they lost both starting tackles, and that's another reason why this offense could not get it going in the second half. But just, um, just not nothing good all, all around for the Seahawks offense. Yeah, I'm looking at the total yards. LA ended with 426 yards, and Seattle ended with 180 yards. Sheesh, that, that's not good. Passing yards 334 versus 95 Seattle. Yeah, bro. Is, God. Is Gino, would you say, is, is Gino the, a fraud for this season? It's too early, but you're looking at a second half where, yeah, they didn't do shit. Um, and mind you, too, like, going back to the protection and just everything else, like, you know, their run game, like, their run game was good early on, but when this game got away from them, they were in obvious passing situations, and they, they just... um. They did not look good, and I, I did not expect that coming from them. Uh, Lockett and T, DK Metcalf, they were there. I don't know what happened to 
you know, J- Jackson Njiba Smith or whatever, because uh, he was non-existent. Um, DK Metcalf, uh, he, he, I think he drew like an, uh, a personal foul, like unnecessary. Like he, he drew some bullshit for 15 yards when they needed him to not be that guy. Like once again, they got them out of a scoring position. Like just a lot of mental errors. And I don't know if it's just one game to dismiss, but uh, this did not look good for Seattle. I must say, though, you know, watching the highlights, uh, Kenneth Walker, they were feeding him the ball, and he was efficient. He was averaging, like, maybe five yards per carry. I think he ended with uh, 12 rushing attempts for 64 yards. And then they just kind of abandoned it, you know? They needed just – I feel like Seattle, they should just stick to their Pete Carroll's bread and butter, feed the ball, and that will open up the passing for, for Gino. And Gino is a mobile quarterback, so – Maybe there's more plays later along the season that they could utilize in. But, yeah, I feel like in this game, the defense definitely let the, uh, let the team down. Uh, yeah, I think this game was attainable at some point. But, you know, I think in the second half, it just uh, floodgates came out. And defense, just, they came out flat. And they couldn't, they couldn't stop these drives. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's those classic, you know, McVay drives where – you know, they start at the 20 yard line and they just pound their way all the way, all the way to the goal line. And then they finally score a touchdown. You know, just those classic big, big guys. So the, um, the Seahawks had about, let me see, one, two, three. They had six drives in the second half and three of them were three and outs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a little concerning. I thought <laughs> I didn't look that deep into it, but yeah, for sure. That's uh, what was the time of possession in the second half? That's some like advanced stat stuff, but I mean, I'm looking at the time of possession. LA has 39 minutes and the Seahawks 20 minutes, nearly double the time. Yeah, I mean, that that's rough. Oh, that's really rough. Okay, well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's still early, and it's certainly not a time to panic. But you know, I'm, cross. Uh, if we're gonna look forward, yeah, they, yeah. If we're looking forward to next week, Seattle is going to Detroit next week. That is not a good matchup for them. Oh my God, they're playing the Lions, <laughs> which is kind of weird for me to say. Like, oh my God, they're playing the Lions. I know, right? But, they're playing the Lions. So this was like a game that they really needed to win at home, but now they're going on the road against Detroit. Oh, man. And Detroit is coming off a really statement victory against against the Chiefs. That was a very – that was a gutsy win um, right down to the end. But Detroit, you know, they earned that win for sure. Uh, They could have lost it, though. They could have damn near lost it. but Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, it's – Interesting stuff. So the Rams are going to host the Niners, and then the Seahawks are going to host. Well, not that the Seahawks are going to host. They're going to go to Detroit. Oh man! So the Seahawks could yeah, potentially be season zero and two. Then, right, bro? Yeah, I was going to say that. That's uh, you're flirting with zero and two <laughs> with the Lions. Who would have? If we talked about this two weeks ago, it's like okay, fifty-fifty with the Rams, and then 
at Detroit shouldn't be too bad. But no, no, <laughs> they're flirting with Owen too. And okay, so going back to Cross left tackle, he's out a couple of weeks. Uh, I saw today they signed. I think he's like 40, 41 years old. You remember Jason Peters? He was on the Eagles. The he's been on yeah. a lot of teams lately. Yeah, but they signed him. So yeah, I saw that. What's up with these? You know, old. I guess not old, but kind of older veterans coming back and signing, and you know, obviously with the unfortunate A Rod injury. Now we have rumors about Tom Brady should be making the call. What can I say, man? I mean, tackles and quarterbacks, they don't grow on trees. So you got to look at the, some of the older trees that are there because there's n- none really growing at, at the moment, especially uh, at this part of the season. Like, uh, everyone's taken right now. Do you think – does Peters have anything left in the tank? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll find – At 41 years old, do we know any 41 41- – or at least forty-year-old plus tackle still in the league. It's uh curious to know that. I I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I'd like to say no. So if there's anyone that could do it, it's, it's Jason Peters. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be. He's on the practice squad, by the way. I don't know if he's actually going to start, but yeah, they got to figure this shit out. Um, it's only well as we record this, it's going to be Wednesday when we post it out, but. They don't got that much time, man. They have uh, about three practices to figure it out. So time's ticking. You remove Pete yeah. Carroll. Yeah, and it's, an, it's a 10 a.m. game, which is uh, at a disadvantage for Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, you just know that Seattle, they can be a little bit tricky, and um, they'll lose like games like this, but at the same time, they, you know, they, they could certainly beat the Lions. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you never know. You know, it is, after all, it is the Lions and it is Jared Goff. Crazy things happen. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of crazy, too, so. Lions, Lions minus six, by the way. Lions minus six. Interesting. interesting. Almost a full touchdown. Okay, well. I kind of we're kind of going back and forth, but ten a game was the Niners, then the Seahawks played in the afternoon. But there was another ten a.m. game as well, and this was something where I was kind of like, um, I was sweating, I was grinding. Survivor pool, <laughs> I picked the Commanders to take over the Cardinals, and I thought it was going to be for sure the lock of the week. Like you know, you're looking at a Commanders team that they just sold the team to new ownership. It's a sold out crowd. This Cardinals team, they just announced who the starter was. They just traded for him. Like, he's been on the team for, like, what, a week? Joshua Dobbs. This is a new head coach, a new GM, a new regime. But, you know, it's not like they can completely, like, remake the team on the fly. But um, I think the commanders were favored by, like, six, seven points. And I thought this would be uh, a big shoe-in for the commanders. But, you know, I give the Cardinals a lot of credit. Um they almost won. They they lost, I think it was 20 to 16 to the Commanders, but the Cardinals were up for the most part throughout the game up until like the end of the third quarter. It was actually a defensive game where the Cardinals, they had, they had Zayvon Collins 
uh, picked it off. They had Cam Thomas with a defensive touchdown. Uh, they had sacks. They had forced fumbles. They gave Sam Hell a, a, a ton of hell. Um, this offense couldn't do much. I think Dobbs had about 130 passing yards. And shout out to like the new team and the new regime. I think Dobbs had 130 passing yards. I think they had about 120 yards in, pe- in penalties. So that's pretty bad. But they, um, I don't, I won't say there's moral victories, but like, I did not expect this game to be this close. It was 20 to 16. This was a commander's team that came out, you know, they came out victorious at the very end. But like, you know, for, for John Gannon, a new coach that's trying to be, um, making a stamp on this team. Like this defense showed up and I did not see that coming at all. Like at all, which is very promising for this franchise moving forward. Uh, Tia, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this game I only watched kind of towards the second half because the first half I was disinterested in this game <laughs> only for the fact that it was just pretty slow. Yeah. But just like you, I had skin in this game. I I chose I chose the commanders. Out of the instruction of JTW, I'll put this on record, I was not going to pick the commanders to begin with, but he, he swayed me. And for the first half, I was like, oh, shit. I think I was just, I was blown up your phone. Remember? I was like, Dustin, we're, we're about to lose this shit. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to pick Minnesota. I know that was all right. You can give me shit for that too, but yeah, no, I, there's definitely some, uh, some bright spots with, with the Cardinals. Their defense is actually better than I think people have anticipated that thought they were going to be. And they, you know, they made the stops. They, you know, they, they kind of stopped the running game and they disrupted, at least they limited the, the deep ball from Sam Howell. I think I did see one, one deep pass to McLaren, which kind of opened up the game. But before that, they, you know, at least, at least the first half, they were, uh, they were locking down the commanders pretty well. Yeah. No, I John mean, Connor, you know, yeah. Connor looked good. Uh, yeah, not, not so much, but you know, yeah, they they did enough early on. I'm just curious, how long is uh, Kyler out for? You know, they haven't really. Well, right now he's on, I think pup ir. He's gonna miss at least the first four weeks of the of the season. But uh, I would say you'd see him like in the second half, like after week eight. That's my gut check. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a team where uh, they're they're definitely in transition, and you know, I, I just want to see just long term, like long term goals for the season. I, I just want them to identify who who their stars are, who are their keepers, who are their you know marquee guys that they'd like to keep. One being Buddha Baker, um, but not much else, right? I I just I don't know who else is going to step up, and for Zayvon Collins, so he's. He's switching from linebacker to pass rusher, and he made an immediate impact in his new role this year. So that's that's promising. But uh, you want to just see more out of this Cardinals franchise, and you know if this Cardinals defense can be legit like this, or you know tough minded, maybe with the culture change with Gannon, like you know I'm all for it. They don't necessarily have to win every game because they're definitely not. But uh, if they can be a tough out like this week in week out, I mean that's a that's a great start for the Cardinals.
for sure. You know, they, I must say one critique I do have about the Cardinals is, you know, they have James Conner, who is, who's awesome on the ground, but they just have no receivers to kind of complement it. You know, what Rondo Moore, Hollywood Brown was pretty much invisible. Zach Ertz, who is, you know, he's aging. Like, who out of that wide receiving core is going to step up and, you know, try going to be that guy when, you know, maybe most of the games this season they are going to be trailing and they're going to have to turn to to the passing game in the air. And who is Kyler going to turn to as his, you know, as his number one receiver at that at that I'm point? Really, I'm really hoping and Rondo I, Moore can step it up because, you know, he's a former first-round pick and he's had his moments. He, he actually had his moments last year too, but he got hurt again. Um Going back to the quarterback position too, I mean, they got this kid Josh Joshua Dobbs. I mean, he literally was on the Steelers like a week before and they traded for him. Would it make sense for them to go with their fifth round rookie um tune? I think it was Chase Tune, Chris Tune, I I forget, but you might see it wouldn't surprise me if they went another direction to quarterback. I, I'm just not too convinced or I just don't understand why they they gave the starting job to Dobbs right off the bat because he I don't know it's just weird for me yeah that's definitely a question will move is you know you have this you have this QB2 who has been in training camp all throughout camp and then you just signed Dobbs who was basically a QB3 in in Pittsburgh and you have him start week one yeah I'm not screwed that is a if I was a Cardinals fan that would be a a head scratching move I mean Colton McCoy like let me just say this. It's not like he was going to win you a lot of games anyways. Like, I know you kind of want to tank, but just you guys are really shooting yourselves in the foot with this move. I just, I don't know. Is, is Arizona in, in full tank mode or? Like I said, with shit like that, yeah, it makes you wonder. But if they can play tough football and lose close games like this, I mean, it's definitely a moral victory. Um, but I don't know. It's just. It's just weird. Yeah, that kind of hurts. You know, they 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 went out to go to go get um, Hollywood Brown, and you know, ever since he's been on the team, he hasn't really made a splash, and he hasn't come out on paper, and he hasn't stood out on television. It's I'm just kind of waiting for this game where it's like, whoa, this is the, you know, this is the Hollywood Brown that we we knew at, at Baltimore. Yeah, and he never really kind of he never filled his role. He never. Like he, he got traded to the Cardinals and he just kind of fizzled. I don't I don't want to say fizzled out, but he just hasn't, you know, filled those shoes quite yet. Yeah. It's still early and you know, mind you, Hollywood Brown, he's he's a speedy receiver. Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown, I mean they they were teammates at Oklahoma, so perhaps when uh Kyler Murray comes back, the um the flame will reignite, but we'll see. We'll see. Who would you say is in better shape? The Cardinals or the Seahawks? No, Seahawks for sure. I mean, I I know that they got their asses handed by the Rams, but I think you know overall for the season, like the Seahawks should be able to, to bounce back. I would hope, but uh, for this Cardinals, at least for this offense, I have no idea. Uh, that's why even going into this game, like I felt so confident with the Commanders over the Cardinals because you just have no clue like what how good or how bad this Cardinals team mostly bad, but I just don't know like who are the stars on this team, which is what I alluded to uh, earlier. Um, 
what do they build on? Like offensively, defensively, they have no JJ Watt, they have um, they have no Kyler Murray. So, who are the guys that you uh, look forward to? And you know, it's a close game for this, and I'm glad to see that it was a close game. But you know, the drawings on the board on who's going to rise up to the top. I'm looking at the Cardinal schedule right now, and it is it's fucking brutal. <laughs> so next week they're playing, they're hosting the Giants, and then they're hosting Dallas. They're, then they're going to San Francisco, and then they're playing the Bengals and then the Rams. Jeez. Well, you know that the Giants, since they got blown out um, at home, they're going to be pissed off. So during that stretch, one. They could possibly go one, two, three, four, five. They could possibly go one and five in that streak. And that would put them at one and one and six. Dang, this is a hard schedule. <laughs> well, you better uh pack your lunch. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild, wild month for them to start the uh start the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and here the Dusk Cardinals. Like like I said, um they lost. I'm happy early. Survivor Pool. Uh tough game. Uh moral victory though. Like I I think that despite the loss, it's it's something where you can hang your head up high for this for sure. Yeah, I agree for sure. That was uh we said it many times in the podcast already. This is only week one. No, we don't want any overreaction, so We'll see how they do against the Giants, who are also 0-1. So, coming off a pretty hard loss. So, I would consider that a toss-up game. Okay. Right on, right on, right on. Um, so, that was pretty much week one in the NFC West. So, you have the Niners 1-0. You have the Rams 1-0. Um, and you have the, Card- you have the Cardinals 0-1. Yeah. It's just, uh, we'll see. So onwards to week two. Do you have any other thoughts about opening week? Um, outside of the NFC West, I just, I feel horrible for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and head coach Robert Sala. Uh, Monday Night Football, there was so much, especially on 9-11, there was so much promise for, for that team. And I just finished like watching all the episodes on Hard Knocks and I was, you know, really excited to see what Aaron Rodgers would do in his first year with New York. It seemed like Aaron Rodgers and New York and just being in the spotlight, they were made for each other. Um, big time. I think the Jets had five primetime games this season, but you know, within the first four plays of the game, uh, Aaron Rodgers essentially is out for the season with an Achilles injury. So just, damn, that's tough. Yeah, that was, as a football fan, that was terrible to see. Like you, I watch Hard Knocks every single episode. Uh, Xavier Gibson, all of that good stuff. And I was actually pretty hyped. I, you know, with the Jets team, in my opinion, there was nothing to really hate about them. Um, and obviously being an Niner fan, I, you know, I have an affinity towards Coach Sala. So I wanted to see how he was going to do with a nice, you know, new shiny Lamborghini in the backfield. But it's just unfortunate that they didn't work out. But we'll see. I don't know. It's kind of exciting because now the, you know, the new cycle is who is, gonna, who is the Jets going to be calling it? And solid saying that Wilson is our quarterback, but their team is too good just to, you know, to be a 
a 500 team or below. They, they have to make a move. You know, they did so many off season acquisitions and, you know, they have all this top talent on defense and in offense. You know, it's great. about they, the- they can't let this go to waste. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the rumors, but now you're seeing like Tom Brady or Colin Kaepernick or Philip River. I, you know, you're, I'm sure you're hearing about that. Like, who the hell they're going to sign? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Stay tuned. I think another takeaway is uh, freaking Joey Burrow. He freaking gets paid. He gets gets the bag, and he completely poo poos the bed in his debut. Against the Browns, it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, bro. I mean, that, that's a sucky feeling. The Browns are tough. It's divisional, but holy shit, they really stunk it up. He sucks. <laughs> Higgins putting up a donut. It was bad, bro. Oh, my God. Yeah. God. Yeah. Fantasy owners. Did you have Burrow on your team? Or I think um, I think our boy Roy had Burrow and Higgins. He had, yeah, the Burrow Higg- Higgins. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sucks. Well, I did have Deontay Johnson, and he is going to be out for several weeks with that hammy. When he went down, he was grabbing the back of his leg. I was like, "Oh shit!" He already knew. I, I've been, I, mind you, I've been like nine leagues, but I had Deontay Johnson in one. I'm like, "Fuck, he's out." So, <laughs> yeah. recovery, buddy. It's part of uh, it's part of fantasy football for a long, long season. So, hit up that waiver wire. <laughs> all right well tee up uh, appreciate your time and to all our loyal listeners whether you're checking this out on apple music or spotify or google or now amazon for that matter we, we're all over the place but uh please continue to do so twitter at just the west instagram at just the west and of course the blog www.justthewest.com till next time we out here peace Peace.